Welcome to Career Tools, our guidance on military resumes. This guidance answers the questions, how do I make a military resume suitable for corporate roles? How do I translate my military resume? What value do my military accomplishments have in civilian companies? If you're thinking about interviewing anytime soon, now is the time to start preparing. Interviewing is not about smarts. It's not about personality. It's all about preparation in the modern age, as more and more companies use more and more tools to separate the wheat from the chaff. Our interviewing series is over 50 podcasts that go through in detail every step of the interview, how to prepare, how to dress, resumes, cover letters, how to chit-chat, how to answer, tell me about yourself and your leadership style and significant accomplishments with repeated examples, how to close, how to ask questions, how to follow up, everything in enormous detail because we know interviewing for most people is a black box. Come and check it out. So, Wendy, I've been looking forward to this cast for nearly 10 years. Mike and I both served in the military. Maggie did as well. So did Paul, who works in our IT department. There are some special challenges with military resumes. Um, people get confused and get conflicting advice about translating them, civilianizing them, making them corporate, and then wondering, will my experience be understood, and so on. So what's our guidance? So we're going to start with don't translate, uh, avoid jargon, and use common terms, by which we mean common as in the same, not as in usual. Okay. So... You said don't translate. Virtually everyone who talks to military people said says they have to translate, and the military resumes are horrible because of it. So why do we say don't translate? I've been saying it for years. Why do you agree? So we'll just start for now with the job titles, whether or not you translate the job titles. And there's two kind of jobs that you'll be going for after you've been in the military. One is something that's defense adjacent. So it's in one of those companies that supplies the military, one of the big ones like Lockheed Martin or um, BAE Systems or Northrop Grumman. Uh, Or it'll be in a company that's kind of, that works for those people. And those companies are full of military people, full of them. Uh, And all of those people understand your military titles. They understand, even if they weren't in the same branch of service as you, they understand how these things work. And so they don't need the translation. And actually, the reason you're applying for them is because you have that experience that they want that's in the military. So if you translate it and make it look as if you were a corporate manager, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, because they don't they don't understand what the, the new title you created, and everybody would come up with a different translation of a title. They don't understand what it meant. An example would be, if your role was chief of wing readiness, and you be- made that manager of wing readiness, the person who actually was in wing readiness in the Air Force 20 years ago reads your resume and says, well, what is a manager of wing readiness? So Air Force hasn't changed that much. I don't know what that role is. I'm confused. And then the question becomes, why are we changing it? Are we trying to hide something? Are we implying that they really weren't at the level that I would expect them to be? And they can say, well, it's just a translation error. And so that's why we say, no, never, ever do it. Now, Everybody's been listening and they say, yeah, okay, well, that makes sense if you're applying to BAE or Northrop Grumman or Lockheed Martin or whatever. But 
what about the jobs that are not related, companies that aren't related to the military at all? Yeah. So you might think if you're going for a job in Procter & Gamble or J&J uh, &J or any of those kind of companies. Procter & Gamble, J&J, &J, Microsoft, Apple, uh, General Electric, uh, any investment bank, all of them hire all kinds of military people, um, often have special military recruiting groups to help recruiting. So we're not suggesting that the military industrial complex, if you will, is the place to go. There's actually many more jobs for ex-military folks in the broader economy just because of the size of the broader economy versus the one industry of the military. Sorry, Wendy, I interrupted. No, that's okay. Um, but even those people, even the people that have never had any connection to the military, don't know anyone to ask, they still will understand your job titles because you don't just read the job title, you re read the accomplishments and the responsibilities, you add it, you read it as a whole. So that explains your job title to, to, to a certain extent. And also there's a, there's a clear difference between something like rifleman and infantry squad leader. I mean, one sounds like an individual contributor and one sounds like the leader of how big a squad is. Yeah, but a small team. And there's a good example. You said, I don't know how big a squad is. But of course, if you were recruiting, as you did when you were in Britain, and you would say, I'm sorry, help me with this, infantry squad leader, how many people were in a squad? And they would say, eight. And you'd say, okay. And at that moment, you know exactly what you need to know. Yeah. All the responsibilities will say, managed eight people or led eight people. Well, they know I don't, I don't even need to ask. Um, and especially when the job titles are in reverse chronological order in your resume, even if you don't quite understand the difference between lieutenant junior grade and lieutenant commander, even though one sounds like really has more power than the other, but even if you thought those two were the same, then if it's in reverse chronological order on a resume with a job in between, it's relatively obvious that it's a promotion. Yes, and the responsibilities I mean, recruiters and hiring managers look at resumes all the time. They expect some things. The fact that your language is a little different is not that big a deal to them. In fact, is it safe to say, Wendy, that job titles vary so much across companies that it's not that different a situation than, norm than most people have? Yeah, especially in um, big companies with I big IT departments, they have things like developer one, developer two, developer three. And it's obscure to anyone who is outside of that company. What's the difference between a two and a three? And is that the difference, the same difference as a two and a three in my company? Yeah. And what people don't realize is developer one, developer two, developer three is much more likely to have been created as a function of compensation and mm -hmm. banding within compensation levels to allow the company as much opportunity as possible to give reasonable raises and, and maintain retention without giving away the farm. And it tends to be very vague sometimes why this guy who can write code and this and this and this and tends to have quality ratings of this and this and this, this creates less bugs and so on or fixes more bugs and so on, uh, that he would be a developer one and somebody else would be a developer two because of where they got hired in and so on. And we would immediately say, oh, here's another one of those examples. And we better go look at the responsibilities to see what they actually did. Same thing true in large organizations with the actual job title, manager versus director. 25 years ago, if someone said director, it meant by definition that they managed other managers. Well, 
Silicon Valley sort of came along and they wanted people to feel like, well, you're a director. And so they gave him the title of director because technically, if you manage a few people, you could say, well, you were directing them. And so now we have all kinds of individual managers of individual contributors who are called director. And you have to look at the responsibilities to make that determination of whether or not they're a manager of managers or not. Or even a manager of something rather than a manager of people. Very so good. Project yes. managers can manage projects, but not people. Yeah, marketing manager, when in fact what you manage is the marketing and not any people. You don't have any direct reports. So those are just some examples to defend our non-mainstream guidance about not translating. And let me, let me say another thing about translating. The problem with translating is you don't know how to do it if you're military. You're going to get it wrong. And I tell you, now, admittedly, I'm a different case than Wendy, perhaps, although she's recruited many military folks because I'm former military and have seen tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably, efficiency reports and uh, evaluations and so on. But the translations literally make the resume undecipherable to me. I literally cannot tell. Whereas if you would simply not translate, now we have a caveat to that. The next point we're going to make is about jargon. Um, but if you'd not translate, I could immediately say, oh, I get it. I know what this guy did. And by the way, I can tell how well he did it. Just like every other resume, right? Yes, exactly. And there's probably 5% on any given resume that I don't know about. And it's really simple. Either that 5% is interesting to me, but that only happens after the question of are they or are they not going to go to the next step? If they're not going to go to the next step, there's 5% I don't understand, but it doesn't matter. I've already made the decision. They're a no. If they're a yes, that's just something that gets highlighted on the resume, and I ask them to explain it to me. Totally normal. So now we're going to go on to avoiding jargon. Yes. So avoiding jargon is, again, it's something that we tell everybody, uh, civilian or military alike. If you put jargon in your resume, stuff that only counts for your industry or in your company, then it immediately becomes indecipherable to anyone outside of those people that are reading your resume. And all sorts of re people read your resume. Even if you think, you know, I've got a really deeply technical IT resume and I've got all these these um, abbreviations and acronyms in there, but it's okay because the IT manager managing a team that I would work in would know what all of those mean. But that doesn't help the HR manager or the IT director who's not, who came in as a director of people rather than a, a, a technical person. There's all sorts of people who end up reading your resume and they don't all know all of those terms. So that's why we say to everybody, don't put any jargon in. So, for example, you wouldn't include ORSE or FITREC. Okay, that just shows what you, it's not ORSE, Operational Reactor Safeguards Exam. It's an ORS. An ORS. Okay. But the last one on this list is TOE. Generally, people don't say ASAP. They say ASAP or FITRAP, which stands for Fitness Report, or OER, which stands for Office Efficiency, Officer Effect. No, Officer Efficiency Report. That's interesting or TOE, which actually is an abbreviation of TONE, which is Table of Operations and Equipment, which lists everything within a given particular unit. And some of those are Army, and some of those are Navy, and some of those are both. I don't think I have any Air Force ones. Oh, I'm kidding, guys. Uh, Air Force just beat Army in football to win the commander in Chief's trophy, trophy yet again, so I have to give Air Force a hard time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you mentioned PCM, pulse code modulation, right? If you put PCM, 
on a resume, nobody's going to know. Now, they might be able to suss it out, right? Yeah, you, should, you, you might be able to work it out from the rest of the accomplishments or the re- responsibilities. But an HR manager who's re- who reads PCM probably doesn't know what it means. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've given some examples of acronyms. What should they do when an acronym is is way better than spending 20 extra words trying to describe what it is that the military and its infinite wisdom has given a two or three word title to that within the military is clearly known? What do you do? There's two things to do, one of which is standard grammar. So if you are going to use an abbreviation in a piece of text, then the first time you use that abbreviation, you put the full words in brackets afterwards. And then in theory, the reader knows every time they see that abbreviation that it still means the same thing. So if you want to use FOB, because it's shorter than forward operating base, you write FOB in capitals and then in brackets, forward operating base. And then you can use FOB throughout your resume. Yep. And the assumption is the reader will know what it means. And if you're wondering whether or not a recruiter would know what an FOB is, that's okay. If they don't know, or if they you say you're a commander of an FOB and they're wondering whether it's two or five or 50, they'll say, I'm sorry, just real quickly, how many people were in the FOB? And you would say, well, it's 50, give or take the 10 or 15 that are doing logistics work. And we don't care whether it's 35, 50, or 60. We care whether it's 50 or 5. The kind of distinctions that recruiters make are really much more about orders of magnitude rather than about percentages. Uh, Oh, did you have 7 directs or 8 directs? Nobody cares. We don't care at all if you had 8 or 10. Now, if you go from 8 to 30, we'd want to know that. That's nearly a 5x increase. So unless we're talking doubling, tripling, 5x, or order of magnitude, um, those kinds of distinctions can easily be discussed when they ask questions. Yeah. And the other thing is I can Google forward operating. Oh, you absolutely can. But I can't Google some abbreviations. For instance, in San Antonio, the the electricity company is uh, CPS, like Central Power Services. But that always makes me think of child protection services. And actually, in the UK, it makes me think of Crown Prosecution Service. And it takes me a while to remember that's what the electricity company is. If I Googled CPS, I might get it wrong. If I Google Central Power Service, I'll nearly always get it right. So that's another reason for having all of the words. Yeah. The other thing... um, that you might want to do with an an acronym or um, something you would normally abbreviate is just not use the abbreviation or the acronym at all. So one of the things you want to do on your resume is save as many characters as possible because you want to fit the most amount on your resume. Character count per line and how many lines and so on. I can't tell you how many resumes I had that I had to turn in that were one page and two lines. And I didn't change anything in the resume. I just changed a few words. And those overhanging widows, those three-word second lines in an accomplishment, you could rewrite the accomplishment to eliminate 10 or 15 characters, which literally saved you a line. Did that for 10 years of my life, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And so you might want to use base instead of forward operating base because the first time you use that, that's a lot of letters. And depending on how many times you use it in the resume, using it twice might only be eight letters. And, you know, if, if something says, um, if, the, if the location for the role was somewhere in Iraq that's not Baghdad, I can pretty much guess it was, it was forward operating, right? It was close to 
well, outside in the in the outside world um, and being threatened, which is kind of the important part. Yes. Okay. Final bit of guidance. Use common terms. Yeah. So in this sense, we mean common, meaning things that are the same, not as in things that are common that happen all the time. So, for example, a common term between um, accounting and IT might be accounts receivable. And they use that term because it means the same thing to everybody. Right. So, for example, I found this accomplishment online or this responsibilities paragraph online. Manage mobilization planning efforts of 36 Army Reserve and National Guard commands in in a seven-state region. Coordinate and assist in the review of a plan affecting wartime mobilization and deployment of 70,000 personnel. Manage and coordinate military airlift command training program. Well, there's nothing in there that nobody or that anybody wouldn't understand, right? Yeah. Managing, coordinating, number of people, a training program. It all has its equivalent outside of the military. Yep. Now, somebody might say, well, they don't know what air, how big airlift command training program is. We don't worry about that. We understand 70,000 personnel, and we understand that wartime mobilization and deployment has to be pretty heavy on logistics and advanced planning. And we might ask you, how many, you know, you say 36 Army Reserve and National Guard commands, does that total 70,000 personnel? Yes, it does. Okay, we're good to go. Yeah, nothing unclear. Totally agree. In the training program, hardly ever anybody puts at least in the responsibilities, how many people have gone through it. So even if you were training in a corporate environment, you'd have the same question for the candidate. Right. So things like managing people, leading people, their responsibilities and terms, managing a budget, project management. Even if your project is planning and extraction, it still has a timeline, a budget, and an objective. In fact, the objective is even more clear than it is in the civilian world. So if you were setting up an IT network on a temporary base, it's different versus to doing so in a nice, safe office in many ways, but the mechanics of setting up the base aren't that different. And they might say, how, how different is it? Well, we have to use certain wire and we have to bury the wire uh, and we've got to have a generator. And, and so there's an issue about making sure we have the, the uh, fuel for the generator and we have to guard it. But fundamentally, the technology of it is pretty much the same. We wanted Wi-Fi. We need the Wi-Fi protected. We have a, a router. We have to have power to it, just like in so many other places. And wouldn't be unusual to then say, and we try to avoid getting shot while we're doing it. So that's just common use of common terms. Um, yeah. What about accomplishments? So this is another one I found online. It's a logistics officer accomplishment. Achieved 99.5% of average delivery rate on all assignments with no loss of materials or assets. Well, that again, makes perfect sense. And it's almost exactly, it would be exactly the same on any logistics manager's resume. It's just, you know, yours were armored cars and his will be trucks delivering to Walmart. Essentially what you're doing is the same. The achievement is the same. The goal is the same. So there's nothing that you need to translate because it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And look, the things that you're asked to accomplish in the military are very similar to stuff in large organizations in the civilian world. You're asked to do more with less all the time. Reduce costs by $70,000 by inventing a split unit HVAC testing system or testing station for over 120 scrapped units, putting 73 back into use. That's not difficult. 
uh, a VP thinking of hiring you is going to read that and go, oh, that makes sense. I know what would go into something like that. Maybe this company doesn't have any HVAC testing stations, but they do have to save money and they do know that you had to figure out how to make those things useful again. And that was a way to save a whole bunch of money. Those kinds of bullets, uh, even if it is said uh, for, for classified signal satellite technology, we don't care. We care about the $700,000. Exactly. I, I used to, when I used to interview people who'd been in particularly secret areas of the military and they would say, okay, I was working with a team to accomplish an objective and this is how I brought the team together. And the bringing of the team together and the working out of strengths and weaknesses and managing them is exactly the same as everybody else. And I don't need to know the environment. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a little bit harder. And those people who have those parts of their background, you need to be able to explain it without stumbling through it and apologizing repeatedly because some of it's secret. But I would describe 99% of the military as having nothing to do with secrecy. So it doesn't matter. Okay. Can you summarize for us? Sure. So there are, there are some special issues about military resumes, but most of them are problems that everybody else has. And if you don't translate your your titles, you avoid jargon, and you use common terms, your resume bill will be as comprehensible as somebody who worked in Procter & Gamble. And if you translate it and you do a poor job, you're going to make it incomprehensible to us. So be careful. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. That's it, everybody. Come back next week for more professional guidance from Manager Tools and Career Tools. See you then. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want with easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did. <laughs>